welcome to Fantasy for the Ages, the show where father and son sit down and talk about fantasy books. I'm the son of that equation, Zach. And I'm the father, Jim. Thank you for joining us today for another great discussion on some chapters from The Fires of Heaven, book five of The Wheel of Time. That one. That's right. Before we move on to that, Zach, how are you doing this fine, fine Saturday? I'm doing pretty well. Weather's nice, clearly, as you can tell by the big bright window behind me. Define Texas nice. Warm. Sunny. Not too How windy. Warm. I'm curious. How warm are you on this March day? I don't know. Uh, to the best of my knowledge, some I haven't looked. It's somewhere in the 80s or something. I don't need a coat. I still am going to wear pants, but I like pants. I would take 80s. 80s would be nice. I don't think it's in the 90s. I could be wrong. I'd even my take My phone 90s. says 88, so we'll take that. All right. Um, but no, I've just been able to have some time, work on a couple of odds and ends here and there, spend time with my dog, and even read a bit. So that's been good. What about you, Dad? How's your day been? Uh, my day's been good. It's actually been a lot of uh, podcast prep and Pern book club time earlier today. Mm-hmm. And then your mother and I went out to a wine event. So one of the local wineries where we are members, we had a good time. Uh, barrel tasting today. For anyone who's a wine person, you understand what that is. So like you licked barrels? No. You just chomped on no. some staves? Okay, you are just fooling around, though. You know better than this. Not that you've ever been to a barrel tasting. You're old enough, but I don't think you've done such a thing. Not that I know of. So, obviously, wine ages in barrels. You go to a barrel tasting, it means they take you back to the room where they have the barrels. They open it up. They suck some wine straight out of the barrel and put it in your glass. So this hasn't been bottled yet. But all of this wine we tasted was soon to be bottled. And then we also tasted it contrasted to stuff that's been in the bottle for a while and just kind of enjoyed some wine. And after you've tasted enough, you can't really tell the difference between bottled and barreled, but you're still enjoying it. Uh, You know, this is an elegant event. We did not taste that much, Mm. though I did come home with almost $400 of wine. Maybe we tasted a bit. Wow, that's a lot of wine. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, a little over a case. You know, it's it's this house Oof. is stocked with wine. That's how we roll. So uh, the other thing that's uh, fun for me uh, mm-hmm. is just looking ahead. I have uh, a travel coming up this week. So I'm going to be on the road for the next six days, Okay, which has been a while since I've done a road trip. Uh, I'll be doing some recordings and podcast stuff along the way in my hotel rooms and the various stops. Mm-hmm. But two weeks from today, your mother and I are on a cruise ship. Vacation starts a week in the Caribbean. So, and your mother was actually the one to remind me to note. So, like, you can set YouTube up to, you know, publish episodes in advance, right? (laughs) Like, yeah. So, we're going to see will there be a gap in our drops or not? If I figure it out and if we have enough in the bank by then, maybe episodes, both our long form and our short little tiny talks will keep coming out even while I'm on a cruise ship in the middle of the Caribbean. So we'll see. We will see. There is one thing I wanted to mention because we talked about it, but we talked about it uh, on an episode that was just for our patrons. Mm -hmm. Our names aren't down there anymore. Right. We Uh, figured by now you know who we are. I see, I don't, don't know for sure, but at the barest minimum, Wheel of Time content, if this is your first episode... What are you doing? (laughs) You know, 
I always grab, I screen capture for the titles of our episodes, the the title cards. That's mm-hmm. not the right word, I think. Thumbnail is what you're looking for. Thumbnail, yeah. I you know, so I grab this and thing. there's always this pesky name in the corner that's partly blocking us. And I'm like, I don't need that anymore. Go away. Go away. So I'll have easier time capturing images now. I like that. I do. Um, speaking of those thumbnails and dropping mm-hmm. episodes, obviously that goes here on our YouTube channel. If you're listening on audio, we recommend checking out the YouTube channel because there's content out there that we don't port over to the audio. We're only putting our long form stuff in the audio. We've got mm-hmm. a lot of short stuff too that's fun, both YouTube shorts and then our tiny talks, which are five minutes or less. Anyways, they're getting some traction and our subscribers are climbing. If you're one of our newer subscribers, thank you for joining us. As of this moment, we're at 217. And, you know, we jumped up from like 150 to 217 just over the last month. So it's moving. And this is fun. People we'll have finally it. found us. Yay. And we'll try not to run them off. Uh, <laughs> Zach, part of how we're picking up some of these followers is I've put out a couple of YouTube shorts on drinks mm-hmm. that we enjoy while doing stuff. So uh, what are you drinking today? Currently, it is only coffee. Still some of that coffee that I picked up out in New Orleans. However, by the time we finish this episode, it should be about five o'clock or later here. So we are going to record something afterwards and I'll have something that is in theme with Moonshine March. Nice. So this is one episode 181. Check episode 182 to find out what Zach is drinking next. I am on a wine tasting thing today, so I am drinking some wine and I probably will drink <laughs> different wine for our next one but this is a mary hill 2018 grenache nice wine not overly bold flavorful a little fruity simple grenache always confuses me because i'm like is it a grape is it a chocolate oh wait that's ganache and that's where i get real confused because they sound so similar true and chocolate goes with grenache so have your ganache with your grenache and just have everything mixed up some mess of that yeah all right wheel of time Let's Let's talk about the fires of heaven, shall we? Agreed. We are doing chapters 23, 24, and 25 today, which puts us a little over halfway through the book. Woo! We'll take it. At this rate, we'll be done by the end of summer, maybe. Chapter 23 is called The Fifth I Give You. And here we're seeing Rand's group of Aiel completing their journey through the Jangai Pass, and they have entered Kyrian. They are no longer at all in the Aiel Waste. They're now in the wetlands. And you see some of these Aiel with big, big eyes. Most of them have never been to the wetlands. Like, this I, looks so different to them. There's bushes and trees bigger than anything I've ever seen. They Flowing water. No, that's wasteful. <laughs> We're in Egwene's point of view for this chapter. So that's one of the things she's noting. The, the goggling Aiel that are like, whoa, this is so different. Now. It's not like they're going overboard. Aiel are kind of stoic, but she's been with them long enough. She can read their body language. She can see the little ways she's, they're looking at things. And she realizes they're like, whoa, as much as Aiel ever do. It's a bit of a shock. Yeah. She also notes that it's not just Rand and Matt and um, the Gleeman and Moraine and Lan. It, it's all these Aiel, but... Also, the peddlers' wagons are still mm-hmm. with them, okay? And so, Kadir and his crew, and and on these wagons, which caused them to actually take a little longer to get through the pass than they would have otherwise, mm-hmm. 
there's stuff. What remind us what's very brief? What's on the wagon that's not stuff they're trading? There's a bunch of Angriol related things that were found in Ruidian. Angriol, right. Terangriol, maybe even some Saw Angriol. Not entirely clear exactly what of everything, but power related items. And why? Why are these things? Why does Kadir have these things now? Uh, he doesn't. His oh. wagons have been shanghai co-opted i like co-opted better uh he's still got them but their use is being uh taken over more or less by moraine uh, saying yes. hey we're bringing all these things yep it really wasn't a request now moraine and lan Gwen has noticed through this these travels when they're just journeying during the day she hangs out by the wagons that's where more or less she's at if she's not at Rand's side She's traveling alongside the wagons, not just any of the wagons. She's by the second wagon. Mm -hmm. For some reason, that one seems to attract her attention, focus more than the others. She and Lan are doing it right now. They're traveling alongside the second wagon. And just Egwene notices it crosses her mind. It's like she's stuck with this particular one for some reason. And Egwene doesn't know why. She kind of liked to ask. She's been curious, but... Remember last time we were talking about them, mm -hmm. Egwene discovered Moraine was finally treating her like an equal? At least a little bit more. And Egwene doesn't want to pester Moraine because she still considers that kind of fragile. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. And, you know, Moraine might snap at her. None of your business. None of your business. You know, uh, uh, so. Now, just we curious. Could, we could, could speculate. But does we could. Egwene make any notice or comment about what may be different about this wagon? What's on this wagon? Anything like that? Oh, some of the bigger uh, pieces from Ruidian are on there, including one we certainly saw something happen with a couple mm -hmm. of different times already. That uh, red stone doorway arch Twisted thing. and funky, none. Mm -hmm. uh, the one you Euclidean. can't tip over. It, it's still sitting up loud and proud on this wagon. Yeah. The fact Egwene notices that, again, spoiler light, there's a reason. Just I noted mean, for yourself, for first time readers. <laughs> uh, she also notices the maidens. Okay, the maidens are here, still doing their job, scattered around. You know, they carry Rand's honor. They are on protection duty. But, you know, the last time we focused on them, a few maidens fell short on the protect, pr protection duty. Because Rand and Avienda got attacked by not one, but two Drakkar. I mean, they handled it. It was fine. They handled it. Uh, it got a little sour between the two of them. <laughs> now that went, you can But the maidens the were kind of all definitely there to be like, uh, Rand, you can break our spears if you want. We failed. We we have toe. And uh, he's like, no, no, forget it. Forget it. But they haven't forgotten it. No, nah, he made a comment that we're seeing kind of the outcome. Because he said, if you really want to be punished, go talk to this person, that person. They'll set you straight. I, I don't care. So what Egwene sees is the result. A few of these maidens are carrying dolls. They got their spears, they got their bucklers, and they have a doll. And not just any old doll. It's a doll they made themselves. Each mm -hmm. of them took the time to craft this doll, a little rag doll, just like a little child Aiel is going to play with. And they are carrying it. They're, they're acting like they're not carrying it. You know, they give no attention, but it's there. What the heck? Speculate, Zach. Why are yeah. they carrying a doll now? How did that come about? 
because they were told they were being childish. So as their punishment, they will be showing the world that they have been acting like children. And who has the moxie to tell maidens they're being childish? Wise ones. In this case, most likely, Amis. Whack, whack. A former maiden. Yeah, quite like, quite likely. All right, what else do we see? Looking through Egwene's POV as she looks around, they are approaching, passing, a town called Salian, and it shares something with the town they saw on the other side of the Jengai Pass. There's no one left. Alive. No one left. Alive. A very good point, because there are plenty of bodies left, impaled bodies, all left as, again, a message from Kuladin and the Shido to Rand and those traveling with him. In fact, there's actually one body. It's just carved in. It says, hi, Rand. No, I'm kidding. That'd be a, a bit too <laughs> morbid for this. Kuladin was here. <laughs> Kuladin, more like cool. Missing Am you. I right? Wish yeah. you were here. <laughs> uh they judge these bodies are a good seven days dead so they've probably lost a little ground which is not unbelievable wagons. but it also sucks yeah it's the wagon's fault they went slower than the uh shido ahead of them were able to yeah. they were what five six days behind now they're seven lost some ground but clearly kulidin is saying we've come to to uh kyrian and Here's how we're going to roll. And it's not good. There's there's no survivors. The town is abandoned. Bodies on display. Egwene finds this very disturbing. But she's also a little disturbed that, in general, the Aiel don't find this very disturbing. It's just, it is. It's mm. unfortunate because they haven't been able to stop the Shido. But that's not unfortunate that what happened to these people. Why are they not bothered that the people have been killed? Uh, the biggest thing is because they don't really view them as people. They view them as Kyrianen. Dirt. They're trash. They are... What's the term? Tree killers? Yes. And that's it. That's all that matters to them. They are tree killers. They are less than people. They are not worthy of the air they breathe. So, And it's very easy when you categorize a group of people as subhuman to not care about their well-being. Yeah, it's still a kind of revolting sight, and they're not happy about seeing it but they're also like they're not people there's not dead people there they're just tree killers so as they go passing this abandoned destroyed city and all these dead bodies Rand takes this time to lay out some ground rules for the aiel he says okay i get how you feel about tree killers and all but let me be clear we've come to kyrian to save this country not destroy it we're here to stop the shido you have a tradition, I learned about it when you were in Tear, of taking the fifth. Mm -hmm. No problem. I'm not going to stop you from that. Explain, remind us what taking the when fifth When you means. take over, whether you're conquering and staying, but more likely conquering and going on because you're a little more nomadic, you are have an entitled right to take one fifth of more or less any and all stuff. And they would do this to themselves, too. Yep. Aiel attacking other Aiel, you win, you get to take a fifth of everything away with you. There were some exceptions, mm -hmm. like you can't take a blacksmith was one of the exceptions. So they, they do know there are certain things that are elevated that even though you're taking the fifth, you don't touch these things. Well, Rand is laying some new ground rules for those exceptions here in Kyrian. He's saying, we're here to save this country and save these people. Therefore, there are certain things 
I'm going to add as exceptions for taking the fifth here. One. The biggest and most notable here is that when you take the fifth, you can't take food. That's right. These people are already hurting. They're already starving. If you take a fifth of their food, they're going to starve. Yeah. So we literally sent people in from Tyr with food. And there's more coming. You know, they're on that that mission to help these people. So we're not going to make that worse. That's counterproductive. We will forage for food while we're here. We will hunt for food. If we take food, we will buy it. And if they don't want to sell it, we're not taking it anyways. Okay. So he says, literally, if anybody takes food that they were not sold, I will hang that person. If you take more than the fifth, I will hang that person. And the trifecta, we're not killing these people. I don't care if you see them as tree killers. We're not here to kill them. So if any Aiel, if a man kills one of these Kyrian, except in self-defense, I will hang that person. Okay, he's just laying it out there. Nguyen's watching this going, dang, he's uh, kind of pushy. But she's also specifically noting he's saying these things with a sense of command and a clear expectation he will be obeyed. And for better or worse, follow through. He's fully intending. And she's like, almost doesn't recognize him because of it. Yeah. Fully intending he will hang someone who does one of these things. And as she's watching the clan chiefs listening to this information and that they're supposed to spread this, the clan chiefs aren't entirely happy about this. But their basic response is, all right, so it will be. So even though this would break the way they normally would do it, they are following Rand's orders. Huh. She goes over to Avienda at this point and talks to Avienda a little bit. And we get very clearly here that Avienda is still feeling somewhat distressed, troubled in her relationship with Rand. Mm. And particularly right now, she's staring at Rand, who has a sword on his back. Now, remind us why Aiel don't like swords. Because uh, they are only there to kill other people. That's right. So we've learned the history in the past. We're not going to rehash that now, but it's not a tool. It's only a weapon. Yeah, we, we don't do swords. And yet Rand still carries a sword. But make it worse, this is the sword she gave him. Now, why'd she give him a sword? Because she felt that she still owed him a debt because she didn't accept a gift as a gift in the way that all the uh, maidens saw it as like a kind of wedding-ish pre-gift and it's like, no, 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 no. We're not doing that. You gave me something, so I have a debt to you. I'm giving you something. And then Rand messes it all up by only accepting the blade. And he takes the hilt, this gem-encrusted hilt. This was Layman's sword, reminder. Mm -hmm. And gives it back to her. Here, you can have this. Now, this is like she's been given this massive gift again. Stop it. So he's put the sword onto a plain hilt, but this was a a uh, power wrought sword so he mm -hmm. heron marked he's keeping the sword just not the hilt and it's just oh it's that constant reminder this man can't do anything right and i'm frustrated with him and i can't bear to be around him and she literally turns to Egwene and says you know you've offered in the past okay i'm gonna take you up on it please talk to the wise ones talk as an eye sedai and direct to them that i don't have to sleep in his tent anymore I can't do this anymore. Now, small aside here, I just want to talk quickly about swords. Because um, the ideal custom here, not to just sword, I'm all down for it. It's a cool plot point. I love it. Semi-recently, a few months back, I got myself a sword. It's really okay. fun and cool. Um, 
it's not just a weapon for killing people, guys. I've destroyed so many cardboard boxes that I needed <laughs> to like break down or styrofoam no that sit in my trash can. It's it's a tool. I'm just saying. <laughs> I I don't think it's designed for that, but you do you, man. I don't care whether it was designed for it or not. <laughs> I can use this without harming a single other human being for the rest of my life. Now, as Avienda is pleading with Egwene to talk to the wise ones, get them to change, Soralia walks up. This is our introduction to another wise one. We've not met her before, Soralia. And we get pretty quick that Soralia is something different. She sets them right very quickly. What is this you're talking about? But it just, it's very quick and obvious that both Egwene and Avienda are rather intimidated by Soralia. And there's some backpedaling going on pretty quick. We're not going to push this woman. And then Soralia goes on to talk about uh, Ran and this hilt. So she actually touches on the exact thing the girls had been talking about. Mm -hmm. And saying, so I heard you got this interest gift, that, that gem encrusted hilt from Ran. So has he captured your heart? Is this something that's going to move forward? And Avienda's like, no, 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 no. And Soralia's response is, oh, pity. Why? Why is Soralia disappointed? Avienda and Rand aren't going to start shacking up. Because Soralia would love to get Aiel strings on Rand. And something like that, a close binding of marriage with Avienda, absolutely would be those strings. And she bluntly says that to them then. She clarifies what she's saying. This is a difference. Okay, Avienda was put with Rand to be close to him to guide him, to listen to him. But they had very clearly said when you're going to sleep in his tent, we're not saying you got to sleep with him. And now Soralea is saying, well, it's a shame you're not going to sleep with him. She's a little bolder in her approach. I like that about Soralea. Yeah, I think if she had been in the tent on that original discussion, she would have told her to sleep with him. But since she's not sleeping with him and doesn't seem to be interested, she goes a whole nother direction. And Soralia here is striking me like that that awkward elderly aunt who will say anything to these young people. And uh, she says, well, you know, I know another nice Aiel young man I could set you up with because, girl, you have duties beyond wise one. Those hips are meant to be making babies. So what do you say I, I arrange you to spend some time with and name some guy? Okay. <laughs> I always get the impression right off the bat with Soralia, that she knows exactly what her words are doing and what effect it will have. And that when she hears, oh, you're not shacking up with Rand? Well, how about this other guy? She has no intention for that other guy at all. However, she understands Avienda enough to be like, this will shove you into spending more time and not complaining about your duties with Rand. Now, I like where you're going with that. Avienda has the same mindset, though. She's like, oh, well... Okay, I will uh I'll watch for him and see how that goes. And after Sora Leah leaves, Egwene's like, um, what? And she's like, No, I have no intention to do anything with that other guy. I'm not looking to get married. But if I told Sora Leah no, she'd practically go make the marriage wreath for me. And you know, she'd make that happen. You don't tell Sora Leah anything. <laughs> They're both trying to perhaps manipulate each other with the words they use and yeah who's the smarter one well who's the older wise one perhaps that doesn't necessarily mean anything in this case it probably does 
Egwene <laughs> then turns it back to now that Sorley is gone. So you, I will talk to the wise ones for you. And, and she's like, no, no, let it go. There's no point. I have a duty to fulfill. Even though I don't want to do this, I will. And therefore, Soralea <laughs> wins. I'm reading my notes. Do you see the typo? Uh... And though Eugene doesn't understand. Oh, I love it. Let's call let's call Egwene Eugene for the rest of the episode. Let's not do that because we Egwene will get hate has mail. never been autocorrected as Eugene before. We will get That's hate new mail one. for that one. <laughs> All right. End of chapter. Right. Chapter 24 is a message. Sent. Yes. It's still in Eugene's point of view, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. So <laughs> what is Gino up to? Okay. So oh, it's the end of this day. Okay. We were mid-afternoon at the point of the previous chapter. And it was stated, even though we didn't read it before, that Rand's intent was to go as far into Kyrian as they could before they lost light. After all, so we're, they're still losing ground. They're behind. They can't afford to take breaks. Right. So we are at that point where night is setting in and they have struck camp. Not struck camp. That's when you tear it down. When you tear They're it down. Setting up made, camp. made camp. Made camp. Thank you. Thank you. And of course, you know, she benefits from the perks of a wise one. She didn't make camp. She's got a guy, Shane, who's made camp for her. Mm. Her tent's been put up and she's gone in and starting to relax, get those shoes and stockings off. And it's okay. I'm not going to knock her for it. I'm pretty sure Rand benefited from the same thing. Probably. This guy, Shane, actually brings her some stew as well for dinner. Here you go. And so she's just relaxing in her tent, enjoying a meal that's been prepared, the perks of modern Aiel living. And she's thinking about what's to come. Mm. Because while she's relaxing in here, she is going to be heading into Teleron Riyadh this evening. Okay, She's got to kill some time before that point. But this is one of the scheduled nights where she's going to go meet up with Nynaeve. And Amis, her chaperone, will be coming with her. But since she's got some time to kill, she's going to read a book. That's mm -hmm. what people do, right? When they got some spare yeah. time, they kick back, read a book. Sure. Where did she get a book? Avienda. Yeah, she borrowed one from Avienda. Absolutely. And I love this. She's reading a book about couples, historic couples over time. People like uh, Birgitta and Geidel Kane, mm. Ancelon and Baruchel, okay. Rogish, Eagle Eye, and Dunsinan. These great male-female couples of history. Some of them heroes of the horn. And Avienda reads it for the action scenes, is what she's told her. But Egwene? Nah, she's in it for the love stories. These are classic historic love stories. See, I just sit here and go, I don't think either one of them need to be ashamed about the fact that they may or may not be reading smut. There's nothing wrong with that. It's fine. I totally read this as, yeah, Avienda, uh-huh, you read it for the action stories. That's like the guy who says, I read Playboy for the articles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah. Uh, you just don't read things that have romance because you <laughs> don't like that, apparently, <laughs> uh, in your life at all. No. Ah, uh -uh, stop that. <laughs> I've told you that before. I'm a very romantic person. I just don't need it in my fantasy fiction. <sighs> so she's passing time with the book. Unfortunately, apparently, it's not quite as good and gripping as some of the things we read because she falls asleep while reading it mm. and finds herself in Teleron Riyadh. Oops. This is not the schedule. She's here in the heart of the stone and it's way too early. She Which, decides... again, is still funky because time is 
weird so is it actually too early i don't think we're supposed to probe too much on that it's never really established on this very well but she decides to wait i'm here i'm gonna wait even though it's too early eventually amis and Nynaeve will show up now why not just get out of the dream she's a dreamwalker she has these abilities why not go back out of teleron riyadh she has a reason can you remember what it was i'm gonna be honest i just blame the fact that she's curious and goes oh if i'm here anyways nope what's her she has a specific reason she figures she fell asleep if she goes back out of the dream she's back into her own body sound asleep and may not hang on to enough self-possession to come back to Teleron Riyadh at Mm. the appointed time she may just drift off I think that's a rationalization um I think she's been spending enough time consciously like training to be able to do all these things she probably could have done whatever she needed to it's possible but she rationalizes no no I just sleep through I I can't I can't wait so she's just chilling she's hanging out she doesn't know how long it'll be a while again time is uh wimey something wibbly wobbly timey wimey thank you yeah um but then while she's waiting she starts to hear something she's not alone anymore and again this is a room with all these big stone columns you can't see the whole room but you can hear she hears so she starts walking through the columns to see who who the heck is here and she finds elaine talking to someone Mm. This is someone Egwene doesn't know, and yet, as she's looking, she swears she kind of knows this person. This person looks like someone she was just reading about. Now, I have to imagine that it looks like a description of this person, Birgitta, um, rather than like there being pictures in this book. Maybe there were pictures, but if there were, I doubt those pictures would actually look like her. But that's the thing with this person talking to Elaine there are certain clear attributes and characteristics of the historic figure, Birgitta, and this person's ticking all the boxes, okay? This is what Birgitta looks like. So she's like, "Can whoa, you know, could that be Birgitta? Now, she nah. doesn't go, no, what's up, homies? She uh, just kind of stays out of sight. She can watch them, but she's being quiet and just listening to their conversation and then she starts to feel kind of awkward, and she's just about to the point where she's gonna say, hey, hi, you know, and the, introduce, I'm here, you know, and we've all kind of had those circumstances. You kind of stumble upon a couple people in a conversation, and they don't see oh, you. Oh, yeah, you wait until near the end of the conversation, and then you back up a couple rooms quietly, open and close the door, and pretend you just got Stomp, there. make some noise, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, trying not to start. I had a teacher I worked with one time. It didn't matter how much noise I made. I still would walk into the teacher's classroom. This is when I was a principal. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, hi. And she would jump and hit the ceiling. I just couldn't help it. So notably, I have learned some people like can get hyper-focused and auditory cues just don't work. But if you just turn the lights off and on for a moment, it's a quick little cue. It makes them kind of look up and around and there. And it helps you not startle people. Huh? Okay. I do that with Rach whenever she has headphones on because she will not hear me and I will freak her out. <laughs> got it. Got it. Well, Egwene's the one that gets freaked out before she can go and interrupt and startle Elaine and her mystery person because she hears a meese behind her and turns around and there's a meese and bear. So two wise ones with her basically saying, ah, uh, so you came early. And, and she doesn't lie. She just explains herself. That's right. 
she had kind of worked up maybe a story she could tell, but in the shock of the moment, she's like, no, no, I'm not gonna bother. I'm gonna be honest here. <sighs> Amisa's and just like, it. look, if if you were that tired, you should have gone and just slept. Um, you need the sleep. Tell around Riyadh's not gonna give it to you. But oh well, what are you gonna do? It happens. Yeah, along those lines, Amis says, I, I could have taken care of this. There's no issue. I could have just met with Nynaeve. We're just here to share information, what they're doing, what we're doing, and I would have reported to you. Gwen doesn't want to see that happen. She's keeping some secrets. And yeah. in particular, there was something she was wondering about here. The last time she met with Nynaeve, they had a conversation after the conversation. Yeah. You remember? Mm-hmm. And Egwene really put Nynaeve into her place. And Nynaeve got very apologetic and humble. And, and Egwene's hoping to see that that has held, you know, that she's one upped her now and the, the dynamic has changed. But if it hasn't held, or, you know, heaven forbid, if Nynaeve gets to just talk to the wise ones without Egwene. Without Egwene there, without Egwene to kind of bully Nynaeve into whatever corner Egwene needs her in, it might come out. That Egwene's been spending time in Teleron Riyadh without Wise One's permission. Yeah, which is a big problem for Egwene. Yep. Not that she's doing this, that she's doing it without their permission and knowledge. So now Egwene then turns this around to say, okay, so you're here, I'm here. Yeah, um, Nynaeve's not here. She's not coming today. Actually, Elaine is already here, and she's right around the corner, and she's with... And she's going to tell her she's with someone, but they go around the corner and it's just Elaine. Just Elaine. Mystery person gone. Bear is the one that leads the way around the corner because Bear is like, what? Elaine's here early too? What is with you women? You do not understand how dangerous this is. And she lays into Elaine. Yeah, they were fine with letting Egwene slide a little bit because she didn't mean to. And uh, she's capable enough and all this stuff. But this wetlander who's only here by the power of a Terangrial, they don't have the ability to come here on their own. They haven't trained with us at all. We've already told them don't come here. Nah. I mean, they just dealt with this with Nynaeve last time. Now it's Elaine. And literally, here's Elaine throughout the meeting. The nose gets higher and higher. The haughtiness goes up mm. and up. She mm. is not taking being chastised well. And uh, goes all Miss Regal. Well, thank you for your thoughts. But I'm fine. I have eyes to die business that I shall continue with. Regardless of your thoughts. They pushed yep. her buttons. Yep, pretty much. That's how it rolled. Uh... Moving on, we get to why is Elaine here? Well, apparently Nynaeve has a headache. Mm. Really? That's why? I mean, Nynaeve normally always wants to be the one to come to Tilleran Riyadh, but she let Elaine do it this time, claiming she had a headache. Now, she has an excuse why she has a headache. Apparently, she got a thumping. Yeah, she probably has a concussion, legitimately. <laughs> um. We're reminded that they are hiding as they travel with the menagerie. Master Luca's menagerie. And Nynaeve has been attracting a lot of attention. A lot of the men seem to think she's attractive. And they hang out. And they spend a lot of time with her. And they talk with her. And they kind of go gaga at her. I don't know. But one of the wives decided this evening not to take kindly to that. And came after Nynaeve whacking her with a stick. Yeah. 
Luca had to step in, break this up, yell at everybody, including Nynaeve. And Elaine's like, oh man, she was so angry. I was just thankful she didn't channel at somebody. Why is it a good thing she didn't channel at somebody? Uh, for a number of reasons. One, they're currently in some form of disguise, which channeling would kind of give away. Uh, two, they've got a bunch of people who are searching for them who can sense channeling. Right. And three, they're still in a country that treats Aes Sedai as witches. Yeah, signal flare said, Aes Sedai here, Aes Sedai here. Come burn, Probably come not burn. A good call. <laughs> burn the witch. Well, let's see if she floats. Okay. Uh, but in truth, Nynaeve's head does hurt. She probably also wasn't keen to see Egwene. I just want to highlight, spoiler light for our readers, to pay attention to Nynaeve's ongoing willingness to come to Teleron Riyadh. Just watch for it. Because this is new. Her declining to come. Enough about Nynaeve. What else <laughs> do we learn here? We do have Carrie in the Discord and she's just like, what? <laughs> First time reader. I like that. Okay. <laughs> uh, we learn that they are three days out from Gildan now. Because Egwene's like, so you guys, you've made it to Gildan, right? It's like, mm, no. We don't tend to move so fast with the menagerie. But then we we hear from Elaine a couple of reasons why that's not so bad, at least from Elaine's point of view. One, <laughs> and Elaine kind of lets this slip. She's kind of hoping to have the chance to perform in front of people on the high wire. She's having fun. She's an exhibitionist. I want to get up there and show off my legs. <laughs> no, that's no, a take. I, she likes not, her outfit. I'm I think not she saying does. it's wrong, but it's <laughs> a take. Um, but even more important, they are traveling with a Shanchen. Okay, Sarandin or Karandin. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Sarandin works for me. The shredded Saran wrap. Saran wrap. The shredded handler. Uh, we they've learned she actually was a shredded handler in the court of the nine moons, where the Shanchen Empress lives, sits, reigns, whatever. Back in Shandar. Spoiler alert! Uh, here's some flashing signs. Carrie here. got it in the Discord. Carrie got it. Court of the Nine Moons. Um, maybe it has some connection to the daughter of the Nine Moons. That person that Matt put the to connection marry. together, people. <sighs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, so hey, Matt's totally fine when he's off with the Aiel. He's not going to run into the daughter of the Nine Moons there, right? He should maybe avoid menageries. I'm sure he would never hang out with a menagerie. It's or, not his style. More probably just. Just avoid leaving the continent altogether. There's another continent somewhere. Sean Chan's over there. There's nine moons, something to do with it. Just avoid it entirely. Just <laughs> Also, we learn Sarandon has an Adam. Remind us of the significance of an Adam. Uh, Adam's a guy. Uh, he Don't give me that Adam trash. of a necklace it's and a bracelet. Remember, there's an apostrophe um, thrown in. <laughs> Everything's more fantasy when you add an apostrophe. Hey, Adam. Uh, no, it's a kind of a collar and a necklace and is used for controlling women who can channel. And Egwene, of course, is very familiar with an Adam, having worn one for months during the collar her imprisonment. Part, not the uh, bracelet part. Right. And she says, is she uh, sold on in, in, you know, in disguise, in hiding? And they're like, no, 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 no. I, I actually tried that. I put it on her and nothing Didn't happened. Nothing. 
She's she's not. She is who she says she is. Now, Amis and Bear are sitting there listening to this conversation about the Shanjin, and they're like, why is this significant? I mean, we understand Rand, Randall Thor ran the Shanjin out of our continent. Why yes would you no. bother learning about Shanjin? Because Rand ran off a first exploratory expedition force of the Shan Chan. And not even all of them are actually necessarily gone. We've seen remnants here now. Karandin, Aginan, these are people who, there's still Shan Chan around. Mm-hmm. And there's still a looming threat of, we lost like a, a solid country, just like whoop, suddenly was under Shan Chan control. How was that their again? forward, whoop, uh, to their nice. forward expeditionary force, let alone an actual invasion. Yeah. Basically, they came, they hit hard. We were totally unprepared and clueless. If they ever come back, we want to be better prepared. Like, so Intel. Look, all, of, all of the wetlands always scared about another Aiel war. But on the other side, these Shanshan now also do the channeling thing in c combat. The and the Aiel thing. haven't really done that. Yeah, yeah. These are worse. These are a lot worse. Okay. I can totally see Amis and Bear just like getting almost offended at that, being like, these other people you're saying are hey, worse, scarier than us. Yeah. Yeah. All right. They finished their conversation up, sharing notes on, you know, what Rand and group are doing and to, and, you know, everybody gets on the same page and then they all were done. They fade away from this place in the dream. However, of note, Egwene early in the conversation had dropped a coded phrase to Elaine, basically making a comment of, if we were in our rooms back in the White Tower, I would give you what for? And she's hoping as they fade away that Elaine caught what that meant. And as this chapter ends, we're going to find out if she did. It means, so, hey, let's secretly go meet in the, those rooms in the White Tower. Chapter 25, Dreams of Galad. Hmm. Egwene does not return to her body and sleep like she's supposed to here. Instead, she first hangs out in the dreamscape, where dreams twinkle all around like stars. What has she learned you can do in this place, Zach? Do you remember? You can go uh, touch other people's dreams and unconscious minds in ways. Uh, there's a couple of different things you can do here. You can kind of communicate into the dreams, but you also can enter into them. Uh, you then kind of lose control and are subject to the will of their dream, but you can. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you can also sometimes just speak into a dream, pass messages that way. That's yeah. something she's been learning. But again, that was the first thing I said. Oh, you didn't say it as clearly as I <laughs> thought you did, or my mind wandered. Sorry. <laughs> Honestly, both options, totally valid. <laughs> All our listeners know, yep, Jim is getting old. Look at that. Okay. Jim's had a bit of wine today. It's fine. <laughs> Next, she leaves this dreamscape. She's not here to do anything with these dreams. Instead, she goes back to Teleron Riyadh. But now, to that place you talked about a moment ago, Zach, she goes back to the White Tower and her old novice room. And right next to her old novice room was Elaine's novice room with the little drilled, power drilled. <laughs> they used power a power drill. drill. <laughs> nice. Uh, little talk peepholes in the wall. Egwene carefully steps out of her room, looking around the hall, and doesn't see anybody. And Elaine is doing the same thing at that moment, carefully coming out of her room, looking around. And okay, there they are. And she's like, okay, good. I thought that's what you meant. 
Okay, so they're here to meet. Now, why do they have to be so careful showing up in the White Tower like this in the dream? What are they afraid of? Well, I mean, like, people can accidentally dream themselves into the dream at times. And any Aes Sedai seeing that, that could be problematic. But let's go a step further. There's a bunch of Black Aja that they know exist. And in fact, there's a bunch of Black Aja they know exist that have dreamed Herongriol. Yeah. See, most of who they might run into in the White Tower aren't going to think anything of seeing them there. It's a dream. They don't think of it as the world of dreams and something real. They're just going to be dreaming and accidentally be here for a bit and then they're out. But those Black Aja are something different. Yeah. And then, of course, we do know and they know there are Forsaken around. Yeah. Forsaken could be checking this place out. Yeah. And a couple of them, at least, not only would this be an important place to check out and probably be, but some of them also might have specific interests in some of these people. Right. But they're here. They're safe. And Egwene, man, she just drops the bombshell right on Elaine. So tell me about Brigida. Elaine's like, what? what, what? No. Ah, she doesn't deny anything about Brigida. No, Egwene's like, says, I saw you. She says, I can't talk about it. That's right. I won't talk about it. I can't talk about it. It would violate trust. Now, to a certain extent, she already done messed up. By saying, I can't talk about it, she's confirming, yes, I was talking to Brigida. Not, yes, I was talking to somebody who happened to share some characteristics with Brigida. Right. She has totally blown it already. And then she's like, okay, so I know I totally blew it already. Egwene, you gotta promise me you can't say anything to anyone about what you saw. Egwene's like, uh, well, fine, but I wish you would trust me with this. And I do trust you, but, 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 yeah. And she's caught in these promises and secrets and stuff. And Elaine mm-hmm. is really frustrated about all this. There's a mess here where so many of our powerful female characters at this point in the series are wrapped in on a lot of lies and promises and things that are sometimes their own making and sometimes things that they're made because of someone else. Yeah. And it just leaves them into positions where they keep getting further and further down that rabbit hole. Right in line with that. Elaine is like, I mean, criminy, could we please tell the wise ones you aren't really Aes Sedai? I, it's so hard to remember to not mess that up in what I'm saying, that we have to pretend we're Aes Sedai still. It's like, ugh. Wayne's like, yeah, okay, you might feel better if we could stop pretending, but I'm the one that's right in a tent next to these wise ones. Okay, we're not going there. Yeah, it's like one little lie here and there led to now they have to keep all this up in certain places Yeah, or they have to deal with bigger problems. All right, moving beyond that, they talk a little bit about Rand and we get, again, what Egwene in her POV has already shared with us that she sees Rand getting so bossy, very cold about the decisions he's making. And Elaine, she doesn't get the, Egwene does not get the response from Elaine that she wants. No. Elaine's like, of course he is. She understands. What does that mean, Zach? Why does she understand what Rand Elaine understands what it is to lead. And most importantly, what it is to lead that number of people, to lead a kingdom, a war effort, things like this. This is stuff she's been trained for for life as the daughter heir of Andor. And it's mm-hmm. stuff she was already trying to train Rand a little bit back in tier. Yeah. And so, no, she gets it. It's like, yeah, he's not the fantastic, fun, friendly sheep herder that he was, right? He has to be something else. So Elaine approves. 
Now, this is actually, in this episode, the second time that Egwene's gotten this kind of thing, because we didn't talk about it in the last chapter, but Soraleia had, no, two chapters ago, Soraleia had said the same thing. When she had, she had actually asked a little bit about Rand, you know, and talking to Avienda about, you know, you're going to shack up and thing, blah, blah. But she also had turned down Egwene for a moment, just asking a little bit more about his personality and what he's like. And Egwene had said at the time, you know, he he can be reasonable. I'm sure we can talk to him about things and, and he won't be so hard. And so is like, no, 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 no. He needs to be hard. He needs to be harder than a clan chief. That's what the Aiel are going to need at this time. I just want to be sure he's strong enough. He can do that. Without so breaking. Soraleia gets it. Elaine gets it. Egwene still thinks, this ain't right. She still sees, he's not, he's not being nice. He has to kill people. I can still be honest and do my stuff. I can still be me while being Aes Sedai and Dreamwalker and kind of wise one. And it's a certain level of lack of perspective here. Um, yeah. Because yeah. Egwene is a badass. She's continuing to grow, but she is growing. She's changing, but only sees Rand as still needing to be what he was. This goes two ways. Rand is probably in the same boat there, but it's just that mess of feeling it okay for themselves to change, but wanting the other to stay the same. Yeah, yeah. A little bit of double standard going on there. How you look, view someone else versus how you view yourself. Uh, they talk a little bit more about Nynaeve. It comes out from Elaine that Nynaeve has been a little different since the last time she'd met with Egwene. She's like, did you say anything to her last time? She's been, you know, just acting different. And Egwene does acknowledge, well, yeah, but I, I didn't say anything she didn't need to hear. Doesn't go into details. Right, right. Elaine notes, you know, okay, so you talked about Rand and he's changing and now, you know, Nynaeve's changed a bit and, you know, you're changing too, Egwene. A little bit of Rand's attitude, I see it in you as well. And here Egwene's comes that like, lack of perspective where Elaine tries to point it out and Egwene says, no, I'm not. Right, exactly. And they just laugh together and, you know, it's it's fine and I love you, you're my sister and one day, Egwene, you're going to be the Amerlin seat. By the time I'm Queen of Andor, we're going to be ruling the world together. Moving on, Egwene's comeback is sobering. If there is a white tower by then, like, ooh, okay, that takes the, the air out of the room. You know? yeah, it's that moment where, like, even if that is a possibility that does happen, uh, there's it might not look like what we think it will. Elaine comments, you know, Elida might be horrible as the Amerlin, but the white tower is going to stand. Elida, she's not going to be Amerlin forever. There's no way. But you know what? That white tower... There is probably another one in exile. I'm sure that what Nynaeve had heard, it's out there somewhere. And we're going to find it. I know we're going to find it. It's probably got every Aja except the red. And this is all going to work out. That's what Elaine thinks. Egwene's hopeful. Be I'm nice sure that one's Nynaeve just as valid remembered. as the other tower that is has all the Ajas except for the blue. Yeah. Now, and, uh, at this point, Elaine needs to get back. She's been here long enough. She's got to go. Nynaeve is waiting for her and she's got a headache. So if she keeps her up longer, you know, Nynaeve won't be happy. So gotta go. But she does give Gwen one last word. It's like something I think you should know. Nynaeve doesn't think you need to know this. Doesn't want to trouble you with it. But we think Mogedian is trying to find us. Okay, why? Why would they think that? 
I mean, I mean, they're maybe, right, but why? <laughs> it's true, maybe because they've pissed her off a lot, a lot. <laughs> uh, so, so she's just sharing that kind of like so. Be on the know. All right, Elaine's out. Egwene puts on a disguise now as one of the accepted and is going to go about some additional business here in the tower. And with the disguise, anyone sees her won't go. Oh, Egwene, you know. Okay, a little safer. So first, she goes the to the Amerlin study. Every time someone has gone to the Amerlin study in the dream, we get a dump of information. So, so what do we get here this we time? Go again. Yeah. First, she goes to that box where letters are kept from Elida, Elida's letters. And going through these, we learn uh, the Lord of Bashir and his army still off to parts unknown. Very frustrating. <laughs> Don't know where they went. It's kind of hard we to learn... lose an entire army, but uh, they I know, did. right? Right. We learn that the tower still doesn't know where Rand is. They've Yay! also lost an entire Dragon Reborn. <laughs> There's been no news from Tanchico or any part of Terabon from the various eyes and ears. Nobody's reporting at all. Everyone's gone silent for the past month. So far, it sounds like Elida doesn't know shit. <laughs> <laughs> all oh, she wait. knows is that she doesn't know anything. She has news from a red sister in Camelin that Morgais was seen giving a public audience. She also has reports from everyone else who's an agent there saying Morgase hasn't been seen in days. She's in seclusion. No one knows why. Mm, mm. Those kind of conflict. Yeah, it also kind of sounds like she, again, doesn't know things that we do. Now, an attentive reader might discern what's up with that one. You're going to catch it easier on a second read. Mm -hmm. But there is an explicit reason why one Red sister in Camelin has reported Morgase was seen in a public audience and everyone else hasn't seen her in days. We can talk about this openly. Like we we mentioned it, right? We did. We did. We've heard that uh, Lord Gabriel was going to a number of other women's rooms that he'd given them. And we had kind of sussed out that one of those is probably an Aes Sedai. Might just, just be this red sister who's serving as eyes and ears liaison to the white tower to Elida here it's his reverse mole yeah yeah it's the one he had caught that they had sent to spy on things and he discerned who she was and he's co-opted her with a uh, compulsion so he rep she reports what he wants her to report yeah now clearly not her only source of information because she's heard these other reports but yeah lord gabriel's been feeding her information mm-hmm uh, another letter here shares that there's fighting of some sort up in the borderlands, maybe some rebellion going on. Kind of confusing. Uh, also, we've got information on Pedra Nile that he's calling in the White Cloaks, perhaps considering a move on Altara. Mm. I don't know. He's been calling them in for like a whole book already at this point. <laughs> it's, it's probably a big not going to come into anything. Yeah. There is a report here of an agent who let Elaine and Nynaeve escape. Uh, who could that be? Uh, that'd be Makura, Lady Makura. The whole fort and there's a note incident. handwritten by Elida on this one. Make an example of her. Oh, granted, and she finally, deserves it. <laughs> there's a big stack of sheets describing construction of a private residence for the Amerlin, and it's got designs and building orders and stuff. And she's looking through this, going. This is like a freaking palace. She is building herself a palace here on the tower grounds. Yeah, and she might have a little bit of a god complex. <laughs> Just a little. Then uh, 
we move on. She's like, okay, I could keep going through these all day, but uh, let me see what else I can find here. And she leaves the study, walks out into the antechamber of the Keeper of the Chronicles. And here, someone else walks in the room. Galad sees ah. her, dashing as always, walks up to her, invites her to join him on a walk out in the ground on the grounds. And very quickly, things go wonky here. And what we get to is Egwene realizing she's fallen into a dream. Because, I mean, Galad in, in Teleron Riyadh? No, no, no. This is Egwene wanting to see Galad. And, wow, this would be nice and all. And, and then, wait a second, she realizes this isn't right. This shouldn't be happening. And she jumps out of this circumstance. And she jumps to the last place she found herself feeling totally safe and secure. And it's Emmons Field. So, okay, whew, she's away from this. And she's in Emmons Field. Can I just get confirmation on the thing? Because obviously yes, you it's recently just looked at it. is Galad, not Gawain, right? It's Galad. Because we know he's not there. Right. He's dreamed himself into there, apparently. And then she ended up falling into his dream or some mess of the two. Well, that might be what she's thinking. There's more to this we're going to get to in a but moment. But he's at least definitely not at the White Tower. No. Now, here on Emmons in Emmons Field, she's standing out on the village green out in front of her family's inn, and, and she sees two banners up on poles. Mm. One, a red eagle. The other, a red wolf's head. And it strikes her. What? Is this... Manetherin? Has Perrin been involved? Mm. What's going on? Manetherin and Lord Perrin of the Two Rivers... Perrin Goldeneyes. And then the world around her seems to flicker. And the next thing she knows, her mother comes walking out of the inn, talking to her and telling her, you know, it's fine and all to be in love with your husband, but do you have to be mooning over waiting for him? And, and then she sees her husband coming over the bridge and it's Gawain. Hmm. And, and then she turns and the banners are gone. And she's like, wait a second, what banners? And Gawain, but, oh, it's too bad it's not Galad. Wait, why am I thinking of Galad? Wait, I saw Galad. And she figures out very quickly, again, I'm stuck in a dream. What is going on? And she flees. This time, leaving Teleron, all, Teleron Riyadh all together and back into her body and yep. sleep. But this is where the fun really begins, because with her gone, we're still here. And we see Mogedian step out from where she was hiding, observing what was going on. And we learn in Mogedian's point of view for just a couple tiny paragraphs, she did all this. She did yeah. that thing that Lod, and then she followed Egwene over here and she did this new thing. She was trying to trap Egwene in a dream. Why? She doesn't know Egwene from Adam. Well, she saw Egwene talking to Elaine. She saw Egwene observing Elaine, maybe, but she yeah, definitely the very saw Egwene and Elaine talking together. when Elaine told her about or hinted well, about Birgitta. Yeah. Okay. So Mogedian, we get confirmed here in these thoughts that she's after Elaine, Nynaeve, and now definitely Birgitta. Yeah, she wants got all beef, three of them. Apparently, like centuries old beef. All the way beef. back to Age of Legends. Yep. Yep. And so she wants to deal with all three of them. Egwene was easy fruit. She was right here. She's close Except to them. I'll deal with her. She's also thinking, 
I don't need another person who can easily mm -hmm. move around the world of dreams like this. And she literally says in her mind, I already have to put up with Lanfear doing this stuff. I don't Granted, need another one. Apparently, Gwen wasn't quite so easy pickings because Mogadian was like, yeah, we'll just chop her up. And she escaped. So yeah. either Mogadian didn't really try that hard or Gwen had a little bit more wherewithal than Mogadian was for sure going to give her credit for. Totally. With the Gwen gone, it's like no skin off her back for Mogadian. That's fine. That was just an act of convenience. Her mind is clearly still focused. I'm going to get those three. I'm going to get them. Nynaeve, Elaine, Brigida. They better watch out. That's where the chapter ends. That's where our episode ends for first time readers. Because we're going to be shortly now going into our spoiler room section and full spoil a couple of things from these chapters. So thank you for being with us. Thank you for listening. Carrie, good to see you as always. Hang out with us anytime. And uh, I guess I should run our spoiler room graphic. The spoiler room. All right. Now, just just for novelty for the end part, I'm going to make us big. Hi. How you cool. Doing? Hi. Hi, Dad. What's up? We've got hey. some nice uh, funny math rocks. And I've got my my pretty. Ooh. Yeah. Uh... yeah. All right. Let's see who's going to go first. Probably you. I have an 11. You're going first. I had a 10. Hey, I had about a 50-50 chance if you go in first. We were both double digits. That was pretty good. All right, so I get to spoil, full spoil, something from this episode before Zach, potentially stealing what he would have used. Go for it. So, of course, this is a time where I haven't planned this out ahead of time. There are times you plan this out ahead <laughs> no, of time? <laughs> this is where I want to talk about the chapter one and the fifth. Because mm. this is where Rand... He makes a decision where he's going to try to do something to help people that is going to so backfire later because he leans into, okay, you can have the fifth, but you can't take food. You can't take more than the fifth. You can't kill anyone except in self-defense. Anyone breaks these rules, I'm going to hang him. And a few chapters down the road, he's going to be hanging someone. But it's because he didn't think through all the possibilities. And he ends up hanging seeing to the hanging of one of the IU warriors who's totally on his side was one of the first to be right there supporting the Karakarn because this guy kills a Kyrianan who is making light basically of dragon tattoos and doing mm -hmm. his own thing and just breaking traditions and he killed him because that was so offensive and Rand doesn't want to kill the guy when it happens He's like, okay, I get what you did. Yeah, that guy was totally offensive. But, but it still oh, wasn't man. just like, kill him. And he has to stick with what he said. He set down the wand who needs to do it. And he learns a very painful lesson. You, you have to think through what might be the repercussions down the road of the decisions you make now. When you uh, give your trust, you best. must hold true. Yeah. So this is where he does it. There you go. It's a, it's a short-term spoiler. It wasn't a big, big Mine's also going to be fairly short term. Okay, what you got? Well, Soralia said, ah, oh, pity, you're not shacking up with him. She's going to shack up with him. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that long from here until uh, Avienda and We're Rand at the ice shack, have sex together. At the ice shack, baby. Yeah, it's coming. Like, it, it's really not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you go. That's our spoilers for today. It's not real deep. No, nope. but, but fun. Uh, okay, I think that's where we'll wrap up then, right? Got anything else? I'm good. 
right. Let me try to run the outro appropriately for once. Let's see if I can pull this off. Here it comes. Hey! Oh, look, there it is. So it's the reminder. And again, if you're on audio, down in the show notes, all the ways you can connect with us. We do ask you to like and subscribe because we'd love to have you seeing more of our stuff and helping other people find it too. Uh, if you really like what we're doing, you can support us on Patreon. How to do that's in the show notes. All our social medias, including Discord, ways to connect, all down there. And Zach, look, there's even one of those still. Email. No. That's true. All right, everyone. We'll talk to you next time.